Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Gittas Wellen, Swansea City fan and contributor to The Jackcast, which you can find on Twitter at The Jackcast. And in case you were waiting to hear other people's voices before mine again, not the case. I uh, had a couple of late drops, uh, unfortunately, but still wanted to get a show out to you. So it's just going to be me and Gitto kind of covering a lot of Premier League stuff. Uh, and we hope you uh, stick around for it. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about to open the show um, is there were a lot of results this weekend that kind of felt like nails in coffins for some managers. Um, we'll lead in with Ronald Coleman. We've, we've now talked about him. For three consecutive shows, but he keeps getting poor results, keeps staying in his job, a 5-2 loss to Arsenal today, accompanied by a red card to Idrissa Ganagai, to be fair. Surely, this time, he's going to be going, we think? Um, I, I, If he goes this week or next week or the week after, I I, I don't know when they're going to pull the trigger, but... You gotta think that he's he's his days are numbered. I mean, he is just a dead man walking at the moment. Nothing at that club is going well. Defense looks shambolic. Um, I mean, the midfield just look like they're tripping over each other and they're not creating anything for their imaginary striker up front. Um, so, I mean, nothing's going right there. And I, I you can have some sympathy saying that the squads. Um, is unbalanced and they don't have anybody to who's replaced Lukaku, etc. But Still, I mean, that, that that team doesn't look like it's gelling in any way, shape, or form. And you, you have to put a lot of blame on that for Kuma. And he, he just does not look like the right man. And it seems like a matter of time until he's gone, doesn't it? Yeah, and you mentioned that they seem a few players short. But this is after being one of the highest net spends of the summer. So, And that's even with the Lukaku money in, included. So it's, it's a very troubling time for them. Currently in the relegation spots are Everton. Um, now we're going to go through a few other managers, and we'll discuss whether we think they should be backed by their ownership or sacked. Uh, we'll start with Slavin Bilic. Reports coming out basically as we hit record that he's going to get two more matches to try to save his job. Um, those two matches are going to be Tottenham midweek, Crystal Palace next weekend. Do you think he should be backed or sacked? I think he's going to have to be sacked. Um, I, I have a bit of sympathy because he hasn't been supported at all. It's it's obvious they're trying to push him out the door. Um, but West Ham have been awful this season. They are absolutely terrible. Um, again, a bit like Kuma, nothing really is going right. The team looks unbalanced. Um, they're, they're making so many mistakes, and, and they don't look like that. One, the players don't look like they're in that, like they're interested in what Billich has got to tell them, and two. I'll be honest, Billish doesn't look like he's interested. He's just waiting for the two Davids to to put him out of his misery and give him a massive paycheck. I, I think the sooner they part ways, the, the better it'll be for, for West Ham. Um, but again, I, I don't think it's entirely down to Billish is doing. I think I think he is a good manager, um, but he's had to put up with so much at West Ham. I think he's lost interest and he cannot care anymore. Um, so yeah, another one who will be gone in the next few weeks, I think, because um, you can't see him getting the, the results he need, needs unless he plays like three Swansies in that period. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think when I watch West Ham, it just feels like it's 11 different individuals instead of a team. Yep. And it kind of feels like that's been their transfer strategy as well. They just find a talented player that's willing to go there, and then they just add them regardless of team fit. 
Like currently they have like seven wingers um, that could be getting into the team. They have Andre Ayu, unfortunately, could be desperately used at Swansea, who's not starting. Obviously they have Arnautovic there. They have Antonio, who I guess has wound up being a winger, although he's also played as a wingback. He's also played up front for them in the past. He does um, everything for them. He does absolutely everything for them. Oh, for sure. Antonio, without maybe screwed. Yeah. Really good. I, I think right. it would be interesting in these two matches to see if Lanzini, who is just back to fitness, can step up and and start doing uh, meaningful things in in creation because that's really what they're lacking at the moment. But yeah, I, I don't see this turning around anytime soon. And their defense is just so poor. I mean, yeah. Aaron Cresswell was basically their main creator for weeks with the most crosses in the Premier League of any player, but was struggling defensively. They switched him out for Masuaku, and now they had neither defensive ability or the crossing that they needed. Um, and even if Cresswell had been playing uh, with no Andy Carroll, they're just crossing the ball into a five foot ten striker in Chicharito. Like, is that really the way to make use of somebody that's such a good poacher of the ball? It, it's just, like I said, it, it seems like every player they've signed they've signed in a vacuum and not looking at a greater hole. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like their transfer activity in the summer was just bizarre. Um, bringing Joe Hart, who has been off form for about two years now. Um, and in fact, Joe Hart's not done much wrong at West Ham. It's not his fault that the goals have been going in um, because he's just not got a defence in front of him, like you said. But Zab- bringing Zabaleta in, who's, what is he, 50 now? <laughs> you know, he's, he's putting in a lot of effort, but he doesn't look up to it anymore and now Tovic is a player who you will get a good match out of once every 10 games probably mm. uh, and is not the kind of personality you want in this kind of West Ham team and then Chicharito has the potential to score goals for any team he plays for but he needs that support uh, and he's not getting it at the moment I mean what when West Ham played against Swansea um, a few weeks ago a match which West Ham actually won but were absolutely appalling in um <laughs> They just didn't have a midfield. I mean, I mean, it, it was just defence. Mark Noble, who just looked lost on a football pitch, and how he is still playing in the Premier League, I have no idea. He is a shambles of a footballer. Um, and then just about four different strikers who didn't really know what to do. Um, there's no real game plan there from Billich. Um, and yeah, like we've said, he's he's got to be going soon. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Um, now ones that. Uh seem dangerous, but have not really been putting in results lately. Uh, we know Dan, who's our uh, resident West Bromwich Albion fan, has been upset with Pulis for years now. Um, I actually got to catch a match with him at the Hawthorns last season, and uh, one of the season tickets hold one of the season ticket holders that uh, was next to him said he wouldn't come back until Pulis was gone. That was last April. He's still there, only two wins in 18 matches. But his his job security has always seemed okay because he would always guarantee that they would stay up. I mean, even now, I think they're only in like eleventh or twelfth. Uh, is it is it all right for them to sack Tony Pulis, or would that just kind of endanger their future? Um, yeah, I can see what you're thinking. That um, I think if they do keep Tony Pulis, they'll stay up because that's what Tony Pulis does. He'll keep you up. He won't do anything else. Um, uh, but it, it gets to the stage with every single club that Tony Pulis goes to. Um, I mean, like he, he keeps you up, becomes the saviour in that sense. But then you quickly realise that he, like his approach to football is one which kills your club. So uh, it's, this, it's just horrible to watch. Um, it's, it, the whole purpose of it is to get to 40 points. 
And he's the kind of manager who, if his team gets 41 points, he thinks he's worked too hard. Um, he, It's going to be that kind of season again for West Brom. I think they're always going to stay above the bottom three. They're not going to get dragged into any serious relegation battle, even if they do have the odd uh, bad result. They'll always have just about enough to stay up, but it's not going. To, it's not pretty to watch, and I do sympathise with with West Brom fans after watching uh, West Brom's match against Leicester on on Monday night. Because I think Dan's pointed out before, this is actually the best squad that he can remember at, at West Brom. Um, you know, it's 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 up there the best. You know, I I I'm struggling to think of the squad they've had in terms of individuals, but mm. you've also got Tony Pulis there, who if you know if if he had um, you know, if if he had the Swansea squad or if he had Manchester United squad, he would play the same style and he would get the same results. That is Tony Pulis for you. Um, I don't think he's in any danger of getting the sack, but I'm guessing that's news that will disappoint all West Bromwich Albion fans. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I'll I'll jump ahead to you a little bit in this list um, because two of the the clubs I've watched this season where I've just been begging for anything to really happen in an attacking sense any chances created anything like that one of them unfortunately is your club Swansea where there just seems to be very little in terms of attacking prowess uh is this is this a Paul Clement issue is this a squad issue both um Hmm. I think Paul Clement is is a defensive manager um Oh, I so like talking about other clubs instead of mine. Why did you have to bring it to Swansea? Uh, <laughs> okay, we can depart soon. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, partly a, a Clement fault. Um, you know, he is a very conservative manager. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But when you do lack that creativity in the squad, then and we do, I've said before, we don't have any Premier League quality wingers. We don't have a number ten. That is still just infuriating the the no, nobody in the squad can play that position um you know when you combine the two of them you're going to end up in the situation we're in at the moment where we're not creating many chances and, and most of the chances we are creating are pretty you know they're, they're not they can't even be classed as half chances i mean the quality of bottle deliveries into the middle is um is awful nobody's trying anything different there's no real imagination there. The, the you know the, the midfield is invisible, uh, and you've got a player up front in Tammy Abraham who is actually very very good. Um, he is going to be a fantastic striker. The fact that he scored four goals in the Premier League so far with the level of support that he's been receiving speaks volumes about his quality. Um, but yeah, it's it's just uh, because Clement can't solve the attacking problems. It as always tends to happen then the uncertainty spreads then to the rest of the team. I think we, we've started seeing the, in recent games the defence not looking as assured, just looking a, a, a bit slow off um, the starting blocks, giving uh, the opposition a lot of time and a lot of space uh, on the ball. Um, and that's causing us problems. It certainly causes problems against Leicester. Um, I, in terms of Clement's safety, um, I don't, think he's in immediate danger i think he's going to be given a little bit more time but if we you know if if other teams start jumping against us uh, uh, jumping above us i should say um and you know we we look like we're getting sucked deeper and deeper into that relegation battle and the more importantly the performances don't change and and there's no sign of us actually scoring goals um then i think the club is going to 
probably step at that point. I think he's he's okay for the time being, but but he is he does need to turn it around, or people at the club are going to start um, questioning whether or not he's the right man for the job. And our club um, doesn't tend to give managers much time. Um, once people get fed up of managers at Swansea, they're out the door. Um, I hope he turns it around, um, but it's by no means certain. Yeah. Um, another team uh, kind of there with a few of the teams we already discussed, West Ham, Everton, Swansea on eight points is Stoke. Um, for the first time this weekend, started to really start seeing some Hughes out sentiment at Stoke. You already mentioned Pulis, who, of course, uh, had one of the most disliked teams uh, when he was at Stoke. Um, Mark Hughes had done a pretty good job the past couple of years, clearly kind of losing favor with the fan base. Do you think a new manager could turn things around there? Yeah, because I I don't think the squad is that bad. Um, it's it's not the best. I, I think there's been underinvestment at Stoke over the last few years, definitely. But um, it's a, it's a squad that's good enough to stay up. And, and the longer it goes on, the more obvious it is that uh, Mark Hughes probably isn't the guy to to really turn things around at Stoke. He could keep them up. Um, you know, he's he's not utterly dis- that disastrous. But um, you know, Stoke fans. They, they've been saying for a while now that that, that they they're starting to get fed up of Mark Hughes. Um, he's passed his sell by date at the at the uh, bet three six five or whatever they're calling it now. <laughs> um, and there's no doubt that you know so, somebody else could do uh, a better job there. Whether or not he does get the sack at the moment, I think he's he's probably safe. Stoke don't like sacking managers. I mean, they've had two managers in the last eleven years. Um, I doubt there's a Premier League team apart from Arsenal who has that kind of record. Not off the top of my head, um, you know. And, and two of their last four managers have been Tony Pulis, so they are pretty loyal to their managers. Um, and therefore, I, I can see Mark Hughes staying on there for quite some time uh, until things get really, really desperate. Um, but they're definitely relegation candidates because they're awful. Um, but there is potential to turn things around there, no doubt. Yeah, they have been struggling with a lot of injuries, especially at the back. Like uh, when everybody was saying City are the best team of all time after they, they scored seven against Stoke. Yeah. It was worth noting they had three center backs out injured. Um, and they had, I think, like a 19-year-old at right back in that match as well. Um, but yeah, they've definitely had issues there. One of the saddest things I've seen where somebody said this is why they shouldn't have sold Arnautovic. And all I could think was, have you seen Arnautovic lately? Because, that is depressing. <laughs> right? Because recently, I'm starting to come to the conclusion, what was it, 15-16? The year he was like uh, 10-plus goals and 5-plus assists. That is statistically looking the outlier for his career. Yeah. It, at yeah. that point, it looked like it was natural development because he was younger. But he has just not reached that since. And he didn't do it for, I think, Austria, was it, at the Euros? Um, just, yeah, just not, uh, turning into the player we thought he would be (laughs) the last one. And this is very high profile and very, um, uh, (laughs) panicky. Um, but Jurgen Klopp for, no, you don't think there's any, any inkling of that going on right now? No, no. I I think. I mean, I mean, um, I've seen some people ask, oh, you know, are Liverpool actually better now than when Klopp t- took over? And the answer is, yes, they are, but not by enough. Um, mm. it, they, they, they're, they are, something's not quite right there at the moment. Um, I, I think their transfer activity has been um, really strange this, this summer. 
Um, I mean, ha- ha- like the Van Dyke saga, um, splashing so much money on Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, uh, among you know other strange piece of business in the window. It's nothing. Yeah, it's it's not been the best preparation for um, for this season, and and already you're looking at that team and thinking it's going to struggle to make the top four. Um, because that that whatever the the attack does, I think you know I know they only scored one goal today, but uh, especially when they get Manny back, I think they'll they'll be very very dangerous going forward. Um, but at the back, they just look all over the shop. I mean, Dejan Lovren, it keep people keep saying it. He's just nowhere near good enough um, for Liverpool. He, he's he's probably not Premier League standard the way he's playing at the moment. Uh, and when you've got that kind of player in the squad, it just sense jitters through through the rest of through the rest of the side really i think i think that is a major problem uh just that one individual if you could just pick find one better center back than dayan lovren um to plug that gap that i think you would actually solve a lot of liverpool's problems at the moment um but he, he is it would be unfair to say that he's the only problem but still i think i i, I think Klopp is just definitely worth sticking with i think what he is trying to do and what he has generally succeeded in doing over the last few years um it's something that's worth carrying on with i know things are bad at the moment and uh it's been an awful start the season for a team who would have been looking for another top four finish um but i I still think it's worth sticking with him for the time being even if the results aren't going well but then again i didn't see their match against uh, spurs (laughs) today you did so (laughs) Yeah, I, I just thought it was worth bringing up because there. I agree with you. It might not be his fault. They have systemic issues at Liverpool, and there was a specific substitution today that Seifu, who uh, edits the show sometimes uh, for us, said, and it was when they took off. Um, uh, man, now I'm blanking. Uh, the bad one, Dejan Lovren, and brought on Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, and he just said that seems so Liverpool, and I think there's a lot. Of, of depth in that comment because first of all you're taking off a very poor player for a not particularly good player i for one don't think i've ever come away from a match impressed by alex oxley chamberlain like i may be forgetting one here or there but it's not a feeling i have when i watch him it's like oh he could be good never really gotten that feeling from him and also the idea that the answer to poor defense is more attack seems to have been the driving thought behind their transfer windows for the last three four years at least um, it, it's very, very strange. And the reason why I bring it up, not only because they struggled today um, and they thought their big reprieve was midweek when they scored a whole lot of goals against the second-best Slovenian football team, is uh, that not only are they struggling to keep goals out, they're only seventh in attack right now. And I, I understand where you're coming from. Mane is obviously a big part of that. Um, and they didn't have Coutinho when they did have Mane. Now that they have Coutinho, they don't have Mane. But that is not good enough. This this team is set up to outscore their opponents. And not only are they not outscoring their opponents, but they're also, they seem to be even worse defensively than they were last season. <laughs> Crazy though it may be, one of the, the shows I went on as a preview this week with a Liverpool guy said that the player they're missing right now is Lucas Leva. Like you thought the Arnautovic thing was bad. That's, wow. that's how badly they're missing somebody pr- to protect that back line which they're desperate for, but they've turned Chan from, at one point it looked like he'd develop into being a defensive midfielder. He's now playing more box-to-box, as is Jeannie Wijnaldum, which means it's Henderson, quote-unquote, defending the back line. 
It's it's and just it's really bad. And no. while I want to say if they backed Klopp, these issues will be solved, they won't be. We've seen Klopp in transfer windows. His answer to last week last season's defensive struggles were to pre-sign Naby Keita, who's very good in the midfield, but they already have three different players trying to play that role. And um, Mohamed Salah, another winger that played at the time the exact same position as Sadio Mane, who had been playing on the right. What What is the plan there? Oh, and then Oxley chamberlain who also is a right winger. Can play on both sides, but it's just very, very strange what they're doing there. No, yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. I mean, like, you know, the the priority, I mean, the, the, def- the defense to attack ratio has been so, so out of kilter. It's it's just ridiculous. Um, and yeah, when when fans are, you know, desperate to see the return of Lucas Leiva, I mean, there's no actual, you know, that that's something that no sensible football supporter should be wishing for. But, you know, that that's what li- these Liverpool fans have obviously been driven towards. Um, that That's shocking because... Levers, Lucas is, yeah, you know, awful by now. Um, I don't know if he's is he actually playing it still? Is, is uh, he yeah, actually? Is it Lazio if memory serves? Yeah, you know, I didn't know that even. Um, but yeah, it. I mean, I, I understand what you mean like, about about these pro, you know, the the defensive problems. They're not going to be solved. Um, and you know, it's it's just a question of are you willing to put up with that in the hope that. They can have a Brendan Rodgers type season where, um, you know, they 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 can find the goals to uh, outweigh the the, the defensive just disaster, um, really. But you know, they, it didn't work under Brendan Rodgers quite. Didn't quite work. It should have, but it didn't quite. Um, and can you actually see it working with with Klopp? I'm not sure. I mean, it, it's also a question: what what exactly are Liverpool's goals? I mean. I think Liverpool are a team, when you look at the club's size, they are a club which, top six definitely, and will should be challenging for the top four every single season. Um, if you want any more than that, I think you're probably going to need to get rid of Klopp because he's never going to solve those defensive issues that you will you that, that you have to sort out if you're going to challenge for the title. Um, but I think... But also, I think you know, that's probably not where Liverpool are right now in terms of um, you know the size of and the capabilities of of that football club. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, Lucas Leiva is indeed at Lazio, um, and as for improving the defense, if you can't buy a centre back, at least buy a defensive midfielder, somebody to protect them. They have failed to do either pretty much since Brendan Rodgers was there. Um, all right, now to go to something a little more positive. Uh, for some, I suppose. Uh, but right now, all three promoted clubs, A, won this weekend, and B, are in the top 12 of the Premier League right now. Uh, as of now, how many and which of them do you think uh, will avoid relegation? Uh, I predicted two of them to go down. Um, so I'm not going to change my predictions, but um, because I never do that in mid-season, but they are, they are all doing better than I expected. Um, Newcastle in particular, I did not think that they were going to have the start of the season they had. I didn't think they strengthened the squad enough. Um, I know they're always just one crisis away from total implosion. Um, but for once, they seem to have got the balance right there. Um, and 
uh, all you're asking really is for them not to do something stupid and they will stay up quite comfortably. Um, and the, then you looked at Huddersfield and Brighton and the question with them is just can, can they sustain what they've been doing so far? I've really been impressed by Brighton. I think they took a little bit of time to settle in the, um, in an attacking sense, but now they do actually look like a team that can create chances against anybody really. Um, and I expected them to go down, um, but they have surprised me. And I actually, the way that every I've been impressed by them whenever I've seen them in the last few weeks, I think if they can sustain that energy and, and sustain um, and keep playing the way they are at the moment, again, I think they should, they, they will definitely be three teams um, worse than them in the table this, this year. And I think they'll stay up reasonably comfortably. That then brings us to Huddersfield who is a slightly dis- different question. I've been very impressed with them, but I expect them to stay up. Um, but I don't know. There's something about Huddersfield. I saw them last week against Swansea, and the di- the difference having Aaron Moy in that team and, and not having Aaron Moy in that team yeah. makes, it's massive. He is just the key for everything that they do. He he links... I, I loved him last season in the Championship. I was... I wouldn't say surprised that no other team came in for him in the summer because the price tag was quite high for a player who'd never played in the Premier League before. Um, but, you know, he's he's shown what a fantastic player he is. Uh, and if he can sustain uh, his current form for the rest of the season, then they will be fine. But I'm not actually sure he can. It reminds me slightly of Blackpool when they came up and yeah. relied a lot on Adam. And Charlie Adam just couldn't quite keep them going towards the end of the season. And Huddersfield's um, whole approach is so reliant on high energy and pressing. It's something that it's going to, you know, you're going to run out of that energy at some point in the season. There's, there's, you know, Liverpool have tried it and it's, it's a struggle to get away with it. Um, and, you know, to, to, to a large extent, that happened with Huddersfield last season in the Championship. They had a fantastic start. And then they they just hit the buffers. They they had to try and grind up results, um, which you can do in the championship. I'm not sure if this Huddersfield team can do in the Premier League. So, uh, I uh, in that sense, as brilliant as it is to see them playing the kind of football they're playing at the moment, and the the win against Man United yesterday was, you know, it it was it looked like a beautiful moment. The fans looked like they absolutely loved it. And it took it took me back as a Swans fan to our season in the Premier League when when uh, you know we were when we've got our first win against one of the big teams and you know you just can't believe it's happening um so i really hope they do stay up because i i i think david wagner's um done brilliant things at huddersfield and i do like the way they play and i do like quite a few of their plays especially aaron moy but i don't think i think they're a tiny bit too reliant on moy um to get them going and i th- i i th- don't think they're quite going to be able to sustain what they're doing at the moment for the entire season. In that case, I can see them just falling short. But like I said, I, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, uh, on Aaron Moy, last season, try, try to think of any Premier League player that could do this. Last season, Aaron Moy had the most chances created and the most tackles won for for Huddersfield. That's, that's, that's ridiculous, isn't it? But, yeah. and I, but it does... It does tell you really what what he does in that midfield and what he does is everything. He is their hardest worker. He is their best passer. He is their most creative mind, and he is their probably their most potent midfield goal threat too. Yeah. Uh, he is so important for everything they do. 
Uh, and whatever happens, you know, with Huddersfield this season, he's not going to be playing in the championship next season. Somebody's going to snap him up, even if they do go down, because he is um, a, a fantastic footballer. He really is. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, and, and to be fair, they've kind of stayed in this top 12 mix without Steve Mounier, who they brought to be their clear number one striker, was top five in goals last season in Ligue 1. Uh, they play, played uh, Laurent de Poitre. Maybe. Maybe that's how you yeah. say that. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, who who has played well in his stead, obviously scored mm-hmm. against Manchester United. Um, the depth is kind of the question, although I think while while we're talking about Huddersfield, deserve to give them even more props. First, terrific, fantastic young manager, but also signing Matthias Jorgensen for, a.k.a. Zonka, for some reason that's his nickname and people know him by that as well. Um, they got him for, I think it was like five million pounds. In a summer where, you know, we just talked about how desperately Liverpool need a center back. In, in a summer where so many clubs needed to add at that position, the fact that Huddersfield managed that um, and just how crucial he's been for them. Huge performances, huge saves, had an amazing goal-denying save uh, or, or tackle at the end of the match against Manchester United. And he has done that countless times for them this season. Um, I agree with you. They're, they're very kind of grit and energy. And that can wear down over the season, but I think Wagner might be good enough to either see that coming or at least respond in a reasonable amount of time to uh, if those issues start cropping up. I, I think there's a legitimate chance all of them stay up. For me, I actually oh, yeah. think Brighton are the ones that I kind of have the most questions about. Um, the the on deadline day they tried to go after Vincent Jansen, then <laughs> discovered they had already used all of their. Uh, Premier League loans like it was midway through that deal being done when they realized that them bringing Tim Krul on loan which is that doesn't need to be addressed but really they couldn't bring him in and I think that's still the problem they have Hamid suspended right now as you said though still creating chances um though it was against Pascal Gross Pascal Gross looks a brilliant signing too he again does. another player who you know they've, they've just done their homework and found a guy who fits in perfectly there Davy Proper's done uh, very well too, and adapted the Premier League. Those are two brilliant signings for them, and, yeah. and that that makes such a difference because midfield was an area I thought they would struggle. Um, looking at the way they played in the Championship, I mm. thought they'd struggle to step up in that department. Um, but they've done brilliantly. They really have. Yeah, yeah, very very impressed by all of them. Brighton again have have over impressed me. Uh, wasn't really surprised that Huddersfield were doing well. Um, obviously not terribly surprised that Newcastle were doing well, although I was wondering where the goals were going to come from. And turns out, random places <laughs> is the answer to that. Um, but we'll see if they try to sign a striker in January. But I do agree with you. Newcastle could implode very quickly. And, you know, every week there's a new story about some issue between Rafa and their board, um, now allegedly up for sale and stuff. Things could go wrong at Newcastle. But I, I think as of now, there's there's a you know, good to above average chance that um, all three could stay up this season. All right, Kito, I know you said you didn't want to talk about it, but let's talk about Swansea a little bit more. Um, Before we pressed record, you were kind of talking about Tom Carroll and how your playing of him is causing issues. The last time people heard us talk about Tom Carroll, they probably heard us saying somewhat positive things about how uh, he's at least tidy, can be creative at times. Uh, obviously, the departure of Sigurdsson, a lot of fantasy people thought Tom Carroll was going to start to have to pick up the slack uh, a bit there for Swansea. Seems that he hasn't quite done that. 
Watching Tom Carroll play is the most stressful thing in my life at the moment. He is um, just the, oh, he's, he's so difficult to watch because everything he does is wrong. Um, I don't really know how he keeps playing for Swansea because I think he's only in the team for his set-piece taking abilities and his set-pieces have been woeful this season. Absolutely shocking. Um, he Positionally, he's... Not a he's he, he has no idea what he's doing when the opposition have the ball. Um, he is um, not really capable of doing the the gritty things that a Leon Britton can do. Uh, his passing has become appalling, and that's one of the things you really expect him to be able to do well. Uh, and like you said, there was an expectation that he would uh, need to take up a little bit of the creative responsibility in the absence of Gilfie Sigurdsson. One, he doesn't have. Um, the creative mind to 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 provide these killer balls they're meant to be setting up the strikers and two his execution is dreadful um he is doing absolutely everything wrong and yet still has played almost every minute uh, of this season for Swansea um he his confidence looks absolutely shattered and I think it's actually cruel keeping him in, keeping him in the side at the moment um but it would be unfair to to single out Tom Carroll because against Leicester, very few players actually managed to um, to play well. In fairness to Leicester, they were they were very good, and I, I said before the match that their um, position in the league is uh, misleading. They are a much better team than their league position suggests, and they're going to be absolutely fine this season. Um, but you know, Leicester do what Leicester did what Leicester do. Um, they um, tried to counter-attack uh, as quickly as possible. They uh, relied on pace and movement, and pace and movement are alien concepts in Swansea at the moment. Our defenders, our midfield, had no idea how to react at all to these runs that these Leicester players were making. Jamie Vardy was just tearing us to pieces, as was Mares, as was Albrighton to a lesser extent, and Okazaki, who was brought in for the match, um, again, was was everywhere and picking up space all over the pitch. Uh, we could not get close to them. And 2-1 um, in the end flattered us um, because Leicester could have and should have scored more. And we scored with our only real half chance of the game, which was uh, a very well taken goal by um, by Alfie Mawson. One of the few positives from yesterday was that he managed to, um, to score his first goal of the season uh, and that it came from um, a corner which, uh, I mean, is astonishing because the quality of our set-piece delivery this season has been just shocking um, since Gelfie Sigurdsson left. But, you know, against Leicester, it just highlighted a few problems, really. The defence doesn't look as confident uh, as it did earlier on the season, um, especially without um, uh, more protection in, in the midfield as we've tried to go a bit more attacking in recent weeks. Uh, the midfield continues to be a, a just... A, Bomb site. Um, Tom Carroll, I've spoken enough about. He's, he, he just needs to be put out of his misery and benched. Um, actually, he shouldn't be in the Matchday squad, full stop. Uh, Renato Sanchez, I started losing patience with him for the first time yesterday. Um, he clearly thinks he's too good to be here, but he's shown nothing yet to suggest that he is actually too good to be here. And somebody needs to drum it into him that if he doesn't actually have an impact at Swansea, he's not going to be considered back at Bayern Munich. Um, mm. His body language is appalling. He does not look uh, interested. Um, his effort levels are shocking, and as a result, his his passing is well. Well, his passing in the final third is just 
appalling. Um, and and people can say, oh, he's trying to. He, at least he's trying to do things. But yesterday he was taking shots from thirty yards out at impossible angles, uh, and they were going well wide. They they weren't him trying to create things. They were just lazy shots uh, when there were better options on for him. Um, and the same problems as throughout the season out wide we're not very good um, at all and we don't have a number 10 meaning Tammy Abram is spending most of his game just chasing aimless balls and um, trying to make something out of lost causes uh, which is sad because he is an absolutely fantastic striker um, but yeah basically um, after a really uplifting win against uh, Huddersfield last week the, today's win just reminded us that yes we've Still got a heck of a lot of problems, and at the moment we're really reliant on the opposition having a major off day for us to have any chance of picking up points. Um, and unfortunately for us, Leicester had anything but an off day yesterday, and they left with three points. Yeah, another question that uh, some neutrals are having, I, I in particular, is what on earth is happening with Roque Mesa, who seemed to be a really good signing, had a really good season last year in La Liga just doesn't seem to be getting a chance for you. No, it doesn't even, like you said, he's not even getting a chance. He's not, for the last two games, he's not even made the matchday squad. Um, and, you know, if he sat up in the stands watching Tom Carroll, you know, look like, I don't know, a lost child who's wandered onto the pitch. Uh, he must be wondering what on earth he has to do to get on there. Leon Britton has been starting ahead of him. Now, Leon Britton is an absolute legend. Um, and the fact that he is still playing Premier League football 35 and, and, you know, competently playing Premier League football too um, is uh, unbelievable. The guy is uh, phenomenal. But Rocky Mesa was brought in to be the next Leon Britton. He has all the same attributes. He is that um, that that terrier in midfield who can also link up play uh, and, and, and snuff out attacks from the opposition. Um, he is the player that we really need at the moment. And he's not even making the squad. Um uh, it's such a waste of a brilliant footballer because he, he's not done much wrong when he's been on the pitch. I'll be honest. He's play, he's, every time he's been on the pitch, he's had an impact and got us playing better football. Um, and and the, the fact that, you know, Sam Klukas is on the bench, who's who's done the square root of nothing since coming in. He's, he's looked completely out of his depth. Um, and, and, and he makes the bench. Uh, Ki Sung Young, who's, who's had two years of doing very little, uh, he makes the bench. Um, Leon Britton starts, Tom Carroll starts, Renato Sanchez, who doesn't look interested, starts. But Rocky Mesa doesn't make the bench. It, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and, you know, all our problems won't be solved with, with one player, but he would really make a big difference to that midfield if he was to come in and just, just, just get us playing with a little bit more confidence on the ball and, and actually linking things up um, a bit more coherently. Um, I mean, uh, Paul Clement's excuses for not playing him simply aren't, you know, well, well there's not much to them. He, he's he's not making a real, genuine, sensible excuses. He's he's clearly just not seeing it, anything, anything in, in Mesa. But surely he has to look at what's going on in our midfield at the moment and think, you know what, this isn't working and we need something a little bit different. And Rocket Mesa would provide that. Um but it, it's just bizarre. It really is bizarre that he's not getting a chance. And it's so, so frustrating when you sit through 90 minutes like we witnessed yesterday against Leicester, knowing that he is somewhere in the stands instead of on the pitch. Um, 
I, I'm with you. I don't understand it, and I hope it changes soon. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, if you know, this could be um, um, Paul Clement tying his own noose um, for uh, by not picking Mesa um, because he cost eleven million pounds in the summer. Um, that's not a small amount of money for for Swansea. Uh, he's not making the bench. Uh, Sam Klukas cost is a record signing, and he's is not that making the twenty five million pounds a player. That is more than that. That Oof. is, uh, well, um, Sam Klukas cost about seventeen million. Uh, so that's about that's that's just short of thirty million pounds that we that is not playing at the moment, not getting any minutes. Um, as a club, we can't afford to to squander that kind of money, and you have to think that if. Um, Clement isn't willing to to play either of them, then you know those upstairs are going to think, well, where's our money going here? Why don't we find a manager who is actually going to use the players that we've paid so much for? Um, and I'll be honest, I, you could not blame them for thinking that way. Yeah, um, let's uh, get a little bit more positive. Alfie Mawson scores in this one. Seems to be a very bright young prospect. Uh, just how good do you think he could be? Uh, he, he's still developing defensively. I mean, on the ball, he's very, very good. Um, he, he is um, an assured and um, intelligent passer of the ball. Um, keep the way we play. He contributes goals, as we saw last season and, and on Saturday. Um, he is still learning defensively. He still has the odd off day. Um, but um, he, he, there's, he should be a Premier League player for years to come. Um, I mean, he is uh, a, a born leader too. You can see him on the pitch. He, he, he his personality is is clear to see. Um, I mean, if if he, I, I I think he has the potential to be a sort of top six defender. I, I really do. Um, but he he is still learning. For the time being, I think it's best that he does stay at Swansea. Um, and we certainly need him and Federico Fernandez at the best at the moment because if we're not doing much at the other end of the pitch, then we do need to keep things tight um, at the other end of the pitch. Unfortunately, over the last few games, um, we haven't been as tight as we'd want to be, really. All right. Um, do you have any questions Tottenham-related that you think uh, you or neutrals will be interested in? Are you going to finish second again this <laughs> <laughs> You know what? It it certainly seems like it, doesn't it? Um, I don't think even the most staunch Tottenham supporter would come out right now and say that we're better than Manchester City. Um, the fact that they were able to keep their uh, momentum moving, even through the Aguero injury, is just nuts. I mean, you look at basically every position other than wingback, and an injury isn't devastating to them. In pretty much any other team, there's at least three or four spots where an injury to a key player. I mean, we were talking about you know Moy and Gross earlier. If either of them are out for two months, they're probably relegated. Um, but City can just continually replace people. If they lost Kevin De Bruyne, they already have David Silva. You bring Bernardo Silva in, vice versa. Same thing works. You lose a winger, you can play Silva on the wing, or you can play De Bruyne on the wing. You already have Sterling and Sané. You already have Jesus, who could play a little bit wider with Aguero more central. It, it, I don't... I Obviously, they cannot be perfect, and there will be a, a downstretch for them, but man, it looks like they're regression-proof right now. Uh, an injury to Kyle Walker would bring Danilo in, but that would mean they have no cover at either wing-back spot because currently, of course, they're playing Fabian Delph at left-back uh, with Benjamin Mendy out for the year with ligament damage. Um, 
So I, I guess there are ways that we could improve, but I, I think we are decidedly the second best team in the Premier League right now. Although, you know, a month ago, everybody said it was just going to be the Manchester clubs and we weren't going to be that close. So, you know, these these things shift, but certainly right now it looks like we're the second best um, team in the Premier League because we can defend almost as well as Manchester United do, who, who I do think have the best defense this year. Um, uh, this is going to be a crazy thing that I never think thought I'd say. Uh, losing Phil Jones could damage that, but, um, <laughs> you know, there you go. Um, <laughs> but I was going to... I was going to ask you too, um, actually, from a, a selfish point of view and yeah. a, a Wales point of view. Um, Danny Rose is back from his uh, injury. Indeed. Uh, but Ben Davis has, um, pro- you know, he's probably been the best left back in the Premier League so yeah. far. Um, you could argue possibly the best full back in the Premier League um, so far uh, this season. So what's going to happen there? Is Rose going to just walk back into the pitch because he's a bigger name or are they going to stick with the guy in form? Um, well, unfortunately, we're playing with neither of them at the moment. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, because uh, Davis uh, got ill, unfortunately. Um, missed the Real Madrid match, uh, then had a little bit of a setback before today's match. Also, by the way, got Eric Dyer sick. So come on, man. Don't go into work sick. <laughs> it's not good for anybody. <laughs> um, but I think on the whole, I think it'll be a balance. I don't know if you saw Danny Rose against Real Madrid. But he he has put on some weight. Uh, to be fair, he had been injured uh, with leg injury, so he couldn't really do much about that, I suppose. Um, I do not see Rose outright winning this job. As you say, Ben Davis has been incredible this season, um, both creatively and defensively. He's finally kind of learned how to deal with the fact that he's constantly up against players that are faster than him. His ability to direct the movement of the winger, as opposed to kind of being a victim of it, uh, has really improved over the last couple seasons. The fact that he can step into center back if needed um, makes him very invaluable to this side. I, I think that the resurgence of Ben Davis this season uh, could long-term see us sell Danny Rose, much as Trippier on the right did. Um, there are matches where we will not want to play Ben Davis. Like today, uh, we played Serge Aurier out of position at left back just because of his pace. We knew he could keep up with Salah, and then he still allowed Salah to score one. But did do an admirable job on the whole. Um, but yeah, Ben Ben Davis is a, is a phenomenal left back, and uh, he and has been since like the Rose injury, which I think was last February or last mm-hmm. March. Um, his first game was awful against Sadio Mane. Everybody saw that coming. Everyone was like, "That's how Liverpool are going to attack us." That's how Liverpool attacked us, and he had two goals. Um, and I think a lot of people just wrote him off at that point. But since then, he's he's been just getting better and better. The fact that we play a back three now, and that Jan Vertonghen is used to playing as a left back or a left wing back for Belgium, covering him on that side, I think frees him up a lot. And while I do think that protects him to an extent, I think it's also freed him up from any, um, I don't want to say nervousness, he's a professional footballer, but it's, it just adds an extra level of security that allows him to really do what he thinks is best at all times, and just learning that week on and week out, the times you get it right, the times you get it wrong, whether or not they end up mattering, whether or not it leads to a goal. I think just constantly figuring out what's best is how he's improved so much in his positioning. And again, as I say, he's become so strong defensively that he can now pretty much usher a a player onto their weak foot by by where he's positioned rather than having to keep pace with them. Um, which is something that obviously Rose and Walker are very good at, is they have that recovery pace. So even if they guess wrong, they can make it up. Davis has to be a little bit smarter, uh, but he's become so. 
Um, on a, on a, no, I'm not going to hammer you with more uh, whale stuff. We'll just let that slide. Um, oh, well, here's a question. Would you rather keep Chris Coleman, who is now being up for uh, Premier League jobs in theory? Yes. Yes, I would. Um, I think he's, um, I don't think we will. I think he said that he would be leaving at the end of, um, uh, of this campaign. And, uh, I think he probably fancies uh, you know a little break after what about six years now in the job um but yeah obviously i'd like to see him stay he's achieved miracles um with us i know we missed out in the world cup and uh he he did make mistakes in this qualifying campaign i think there was i think we were too late to change the euros team i think he was too loyal to players who were um out of form particularly neil taylor um and and i don't think we were attacking enough in uh, certain games too um but i'd still keep him uh, um uh, you know the the players love him um he's created this amazing atmosphere um where they are all just so proud to be welsh and so proud to be part of this team and and that's got the fans that, that that's created this new atmosphere among the fans too it's and you think if he was to leave and, and somebody else, you know, one of the names we mentioned, for God's sake, is, is Tony Pulis. I mean, Tony oh, Pulis no. would destroy in two seconds. I don't think that's realistic. By the way. Bill I don't would think be Pulis a wingback again after like 12 years. <laughs> Bill, would, Bill would be like just used in the Sam Volks role, just boot the ball up to him. Um, <laughs> it, it just, um, yeah, uh, you know, another manager could, could just dismantle things very quickly if they... Uh, don't continue with what's worked over the last few years. Um, and, um, you know, it's not just a matter of what's been going on the pitch. It's it's what's gone on off of it as well. Um, everything off the field has been done perfectly over the last few years. Um, and it used to be the go to see Wales was uh, a real chore. I mean, like you used to have about 10,000 people turning up for qualifiers. Uh, and the atmosphere used to be horrible. It would just be Swansea and Cardiff fans trying to punch each other. Um, that's completely changed now, largely because of Coleman's influence. Um, so obviously, anything that jeopardises that, I'm against it. Uh, I can see why a club like Leicester might be interested. The only thing I would say is that if a, if any club is thinking of appointing Chris Coleman mid-season, uh, he is a guy who takes quite a long time to get his ideas across to people. Um, you can see it with every single job that he's been in since Fulham. Um, he's not somebody you go to for a quick fix. And um, not that Leicester necessarily need any fixing. That You know, they're pretty decent anyway. Um, but but if any club out there is looking to Chris Coleman to give them a quick fix, he's not going to give them that. He's going to need a bit of time, probably a pre-season, to, to really start kicking Interesting. And obviously it must kind of hurt, but also be encouraging that if Bale is fit for those second two matches, you're probably uh, at the World Cup and just disappointing that that injury came when it did. Um, it, It's not necessarily that simple. Um, no. I mean, uh, no, I mean, I, you, you know, we've, we've, we've struggled for all, all right through the group stages to really break teams down when they've parked the bus. And, and that's what Ireland did against us. Um, Add into that um, some very underhanded tactics, targeting um, Joe Allen, um, knocking him out to get him out of the game, um, brutal time wasting and diving. Um, yeah, that that's so Gareth Bale wouldn't have 
necessarily made that much difference if I'm honest um uh, it was just on the night everything went against us and if I'm honest that's the way it went during the entire qualification campaign the little margins just never went our way um and when you add that up over an entire qualifying campaign you just have to accept you weren't good enough to go to the world cup um and that's finally what I've accepted now (laughs) (laughs) fair enough um all right uh on to player watch uh just quickly who is the player in your team that you think is the most error prone or the biggest liability don carroll (laughs) (laughs) i really hope he doesn't listen to this show (laughs) oh i really do too but um yeah i it has to be tom carroll he's he's just all over the shop um i mean i'm i'm i'll say he is the most error prone even though we actually had our centre-back scoring on goal um in the in the last match he he just doesn't do anything right tom carroll um so yeah he, he's he shouldn't be anywhere near a premier league football pitch um and sadly um you know that that's the case at the moment and i'm hoping that paul clement wakes up to it pretty quickly yeah for tottenham i don't think this will be a surprise to anybody that's watched anything we've done this season uh but it's now serge aurier who is capable of one minute putting in um, uh, an incredibly brilliant challenge and then the next giving away a penalty you're getting a red card uh i think he's already given away two penalties and got the red card against west ham and it'll probably can't be more than five or six matches for us um i think that's that's just uh something that'll slowly be worked out of his game i mean you look at what danny rose and kyle walker were like before pochettino was here and i know <laughs> part of danny rose's huge public interview before the season opener um, about he's he's frustrated and angry that so many people think that Poch is the person that turned him into a good player. Uh, did anyone see him before Mauricio Pochettino? Because he was not good before Mauricio Pochettino, who has been an incredible um, wingback whisperer in his time in the Premier League. I mean, <laughs> you look at the players that he brought through. He uh, improved Luke Shaw, Bertrand, Klein, Trippier, Davis, Walker, Rose... I mean, that is an insane amount of wingbacks that at some point or another were not deemed to be good enough. Um, like Ryan Bertrand was sold by Chelsea because he wasn't good enough. It's it's just incredible what he's been able to do with these players. Now you take a look at Serge Aurier. Of all those, um, maybe... I, I'm not honestly sure if Luke Shaw's time lined up with Pochettino at Southampton. I think it did. <clears throat> but they Aurier, probably the most talented player he's had at that position um and so even though there are mistakes like i said there are moments of brilliance as well you just assume that over time um and we probably won't notice it just one day like two years from now we'll be like oh man Sergio Aurier is probably the best wing back in the premier league just like we did with uh walker and rose last season um so yeah but right now there's just uh he he is very error prone right now and it will probably cost us a fair few results and then you're just hoping that the balance uh will be favorable that he'll really save us more than he's hurt us all right and uh we'll wrap up with a match preview um swansea going to be uh coming up against manchester united a team that you've had a weird amount of success against uh do you think we could see that again this weekend or sorry uh this week um, yeah, it's where's the league cup, and it, it's difficult to see really what you know what kind of team's going to be out there. Swansea and Man United, I think, have made plenty of changes in the cup so far. I'd expect something similar this time round. Maybe Clement will be tempted to play his uh, stronger side, 
um, against United just to avoid uh, embarrassment. Um, but you, you'd expect United to have enough, even with um, the changes they make to to, to beat Swansea. Um, they've got they, they'll have plenty of players who haven't been given a chance who will be um, eager to make an impression, especially after the loss uh, against Huddersfield. Um, so I, I, Joe, you know I'll be honest, it's not a match I really care about. Um, the League Cup is n- has never been a competition I care much about. Even when we won the thing, I couldn't really care less, apart from the fact they got us into Europe. Um, so if we lose against United, uh, fine. It means we can concentrate on the league. Uh, if we somehow beat them, uh, well, it, it could be a confidence boost and um, hopefully it'll have some kind of positive impact on the uh, on the on the league. But um, uh, yeah, I'll be honest. I I think I could do without this match um, this week because um, you know another defeat, another match to tie the players. Um, yeah, it's not really it's not really ideal at this moment. Having said that, like I said, if we do win, then you know it'll have its benefits. Uh, yeah, for Tottenham, we're going to be playing West Ham as I mentioned earlier. This is one of the matches Billich has been uh, allegedly told he needs to win if he wants to keep his job. Um, I think they'll play a strong team. I, it, clearly, they aren't really going to threaten much in the Premier League. Um, Tottenham, on the other hand, Kane had a little bit of just a hamstring pull in this match. I don't think he's going to miss any Premier League action, but I do think he'll be kept out of this one. Um, so we should probably rotate a lot. Probably be a Lorente game. Um, <laughs> this is where I usually say Winks, but Winks has now started against Real Madrid and Liverpool this week, so... Maybe not so much a rotation option anymore. But uh, Sissoko, Son, Dembele, if he's fit, um, we should just be seeing a lot of rotation. Maybe even a little one-fourth action uh, at center back for us. Walker Peters, another one that could be getting a shot since Trippier and Aurier both played today. Could be a get-right game for Ben Davis, who again has been out through uh, illness. Um, Michelle Vorm probably in net as well for us. So, uh, result, I would hope that we would win, but they're probably going to play a fairly strong team. We probably aren't. Well, <laughs> I suppose that our second team would actually do fairly well uh, season long, but uh, compared to our first team, um, probably not not the the star guys going to be out there in this one, I wouldn't think, especially with the fact that Della Ali has now cleared his uh, Champions League suspension and would then be available for Madrid. I think he may get a rest as well. All right, that'll do it uh, for us. Gitto, it was a pleasure talking through everything with you. Uh, where can folks find you? Uh, yeah, if you can, uh, if you want to listen to more um, Swansea-based misery, uh, the Jackass will be recording early this week, and there should be a podcast. But by the end of the week, you can find us on Twitter at the Jackcast. <laughs> Hopefully not too much misery. Um, <laughs> I'm Kevin DeVries at Kevroff on Twitter. Uh, I'm also the lead fantasy writer over at Goal, so you can find that at Goal.com. Um, also, we do uh, fantasy and championship shows on this very channel, so be sure to check those out as well. Uh, and I also do shows for Fantrax, Fantrax Radio, and VIPBet.com. Check all those out, respectively, if you care about fantasy. Um, thanks so much. Good show again. Uh, just the two of us uh, <laughs> had a really good time talking all things football with you. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Mm-hmm.